Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 241. In this episode, we talk about the Kevin Bacon animated GIF, or GIF as Craig would say it, some public roadmaps that HubSpot has released, the HubSpot SEO tool, and much more goodness with SEO, and some interesting things about social media channel usage in 2021. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, service, and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Oh, look, I'm well, Ian. And, and you're right, is it GIF or GIF? We could start a whole debate around that. I know I know my, my preference, but we'll move on. That's right. And listeners, if you haven't signed up for the show notes, I recommend you do because there are some great GIFs in there from Craig. That's right. You kind of have to check out the show notes to get the title of this episode. We thought we'd try it out. Speaking of show notes, Ian, I'm really interested to know from our listeners who actually reads them. So first of all, if you're listening to this and haven't signed up, please sign up. Just get them into your inbox because I put a lot of time into them. And in fact, in shot one, of the show notes, I've gone in depth explaining how we put them together and our process each week. So, Correct. you know, you can go and read that if that's of interest to you. But I'm especially keen to know if people get value from them. And further, what else can we do? How can we make them better? How can we help you grow better, Ian? That's right. Now, Craig, I do know there is one person that I was talking to two weeks ago that said that they love our show notes from the UK. So, there is one person I know that reads them. Oh, thank you. I'll take one. That's, that's great. <laughs> that's right. So, listeners, reach out and let us know. We'd love to hear your feedback. All right, Craig, on to our quick shots of the week. So, the first one is they have increased the limits on sales hub tools five times. So, what's really interesting with templates, sequences, documents, snippets, and playbooks, they've increased it to now 5,000 of those items that you can have. Yeah, and I can see that there. Do you reckon that's because that's what they use internally in HubSpot? It's like, oh, we've hit the limit. We better increase it. Oh, bonus. We'll do it for everyone. I mean, what was interesting, those limits were all different before the pandemic and now they're all in line based on what's happened. But also, if you look at the features of not available in certain editions, it's quite interesting, like those usage limits increasing and then increasing again. You know what I find interesting is how you said, yeah, they're all aligned with the same 5,000, like playbooks. Can you imagine having 5,000 playbooks? That's right. That's insane. Templates, though, yeah, or snippets, 5,000 of those. Yeah, Correct. I can imagine, imagine a large team getting to that quickly. That's right. Sequences, I don't know. We're pushing my luck, but you never know. But you know what? A great feature and a great addition to have more stuff in there. Now, the next thing is product ro- roadmap decks, which I thought was interesting because we have seen this from a partner perspective, but here it is uh, available to everybody. Yeah, and they've just put it on their new page, which is typically the page they use when they're in, after inbound. You get yes. all the announcements, here's the new stuff. Correct. Well, they've decided to actually use that year-round and just put product roadmaps on there. So, listeners, what you want to do is go and check out those and slide five in each of those decks will be the ones you want that have the forward-looking statements. Forward-looking statements, Ian, so they may not come to pass, but some of them look really good. That's right. And okay, this is more to do with transparency of what's going on as the product grows and as new things come along. So well worth a check out. All right, Craig, onto our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And this is revisiting the HubSpot SEO tools again. That's right. I mean, we first covered this back in, well, we've covered this many times, but we most recently in 234. Correct. And I thought it was worth jumping in again because they've got incremental improvement, which is my favorite kind of improvement. 
just yes. continual incremental improvement. So you can go, you can run a, an audit. By the way, it doesn't have to be a website in your portal. It can be any URL. So you'll remember in the last time we talked about this, we actually ran the audit on the HubSpot site itself, which we thought was funny, but it was actually quite illuminating as well. Anyway, they've added a whole section this time about page experience. So you can check out those. And that's actually to coincide with the upcoming Core Web Vitals rollout that Google is going to be using as part of their ranking algorithm, which yes. they've mentioned coming in March. So this is all good. The tool gets better and better, and especially for agencies, I think. Right, Go and run this. Very easy to rerun a scan. And we've got some screenshots in the show notes, which kind of cover some of the areas and uh, what it looks like. Now, Craig, a little tip to listeners is we use this to run it against competitor sites so we can understand what we're doing well and what we're not doing so well in. And it's a great way to keep a track of things. So don't be afraid to rerun stuff after a certain period. It does take a bit of time. I was doing this with a customer the other week and it didn't finish particularly fast. I think I had to wait for quite a number of hours before it all ran. Yeah, that's my experience as well. But well worth it. All right, onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. Now, we've been getting lots of great feedback from the HubSpot calling. So the first thing I want to say is you need to set up HubSpot calling, right? Once you've done the setup and you've connected your account, you then need to make sure you're calling from the right numbers. And there's the tip of the week, listeners, because just think about when you get a call, are you more likely to call back like a mobile or a cell number or do you ignore a private number and a landline, for example? I'm not 100% sure why people are afraid for people to call them back. It makes no sense. Well, I can give you a little bit of an anecdote on this because this is actually a real example with a client where their salesperson was calling from a private number and wondering why they were getting no responses, no one was answering. And they say, and, and then the, the business owner actually said, well, why are you running? Why aren't you calling just from your mobile? And the sales guy was like, well, I don't want them to know my number able to call me back. I'm like, and as you say, it's like, what, isn't that your whole job? Like, what's the, why wouldn't you want someone calling you back? Anyway, it goes to the larger point though, that if you're calling from a private number, do you ever answer a call from a private number? No. What about a landline? Probably not. Mobile is the most likely that you're going to answer. Oh, it could be a friend of mine calling on the mobile. And so you pick up. So there's the sales tip. Call from your mobile number. And you know what? It's really annoying because I have call back landline numbers. And if it comes from a switchboard, then you call up and you go, oh, I'm just returning a call. And they're like, oh, who are you? And unless they've got a smart system that knows exactly. who called you, they're like, I've got no idea. Like, do you know somebody? What's their name? It's just a bad just- experience. Oh, I want. And you know what? Then the salespeople come back to marketing. Oh, those leads you gave us, they're terrible. You know, it's like, no. That's no. exactly right. Yeah, the sales process is wrong. So, yeah. And here is the evolution in the whole life cycle journey of HubSpot, isn't it, Craig? Sure is. All right. Now, onto our HubSpot dashboard feature of the week, Craig. You know, this one slipped past me. I saw it in the product updates, yes. which by the way, folks, in your portal, you can go go up the top right under there and you can see product updates. And so they talked about this adding basically annotations to dashboards. I Correct. thought, oh, this is great. And uh, I've got some screenshots that actually insert images, text or video. It's got a nice green new button. But as you inform me, this has actually been there for a while. The only yeah. thing new about this is the label they've put under the actions menu. So Craig, it was in the, the pre-made dashboard 
widgets, essentially, right? It was there. It was a, it was like a text widget. And thank you for calling them widgets. They call them reports. Correct. I've always struggled with this HubSpot report. Oh, is that a report or is, is that a widget? No. It's a widget. Yeah, they should just right? call them widgets. Yep. I've used it a couple of times and probably more so now. But when you put this in, I was like, oh, hang on a second. Have I used this before? And sure enough, I have. But the big thing here is you can do text images. And I think now maybe what wasn't available before is the video part. Oh, so that is the new which part. Which I think I didn't see before, which has now become available. So, And what about what about mentions, the at mentions? Yes, I think they were there before. So okay. I think it's well worth using. We've started using this. So listeners, so you know, we started using this with a customer of ours where we weren't reporting on call data, which are from Google Ads. And so we were manually sticking this into into one of these widgets that was showing them call data on a monthly basis. So they could actually have a holistic view of what was going on. Because what we've discovered with quite a few clients over this last year, people's habits seem to have changed. So people would have previously filled our forms, expected a callback. Now people are happy to pick up the phone and call somebody directly off the ad and almost get help instantly or ask for whatever they want now and then, which I think is a really interesting shift in that market of what's happening. So you might be thinking, oh, gee, my form fills are going down, my conversions are going down, and my cost per click's going up. What's going on? But when you look at the picture holistically, it's probably similar or even better now because people are more likely to call you straight off the bat. Yeah, so this is really cool. And by the way, regardless of whether it's new or not, I had missed it. So maybe listeners, maybe you'd missed it as well. So I think that's a really handy feature. Two comments I wanted to make. You know how you can set up a scheduled email to go yes. out? Yes. Will that include this annotation Actually, report? it should. Now, I should actually check. We put a whole, and you could put a really nice image with your branding and everything as the very first report. I want to call it a widget at the top. And then it goes out in the email. So there's a bit of branding you put out there and set up automated. That'd be nice. Now, I did stick an image in one of the test ones I did, Craig. And if the image is not resized correctly, it doesn't resize it nicely like it resizes and it just looks like one big blob. So there's a there's something to watch oh, out there's for. There's a gotcha of the week. <laughs> now, the second thing I want to say, I would love to be able to insert iframes. Yes. And basically then pull in from other tools right into the HubSpot dashboard. I wonder if that's coming. I mean, maybe there's too many security problems with having that kind of thing come in, but wouldn't that be handy? Exactly, it would be, and I think this goes to show it's those little things that make a big difference in the Craig. All right, now talking about our HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig, it's about fully specifying pop-up form location targeting. All right, I've been caught by this before. Probably if we went back through shows, I've talked about where I got caught by this. I think we have got caught, yeah. you both, both you and me. Yeah, and so this affects, by the way, this is, this is just for people that have a portal that's running multiple sites. So we've got an enterprise portal and we've got a whole bunch of different sites that of, you know, of my companies that we run through it. So I was doing a pop-up form and I wanted it to show on one particular site, but every single blog post of that site, it was a promotion just for a week. Yeah. So what did I do? Oh, I'll be really smart. I just said targeting if contains the word blog. All right. So you know what's happened. All my other sites were suddenly seeing this pop-up form. Correct. Which was totally irrelevant. So <laughs> if you happen to visit HubShots... Or Zen site or our Zen Solar site, you would have seen this promotion for a totally different brand and product. Very embarrassing. So, And I looked at the stats and had a thousand views. Oh, no. 
<laughs> anyway, that's the gotcha. And the answer is just, of course, not to do um, those partials, but just do a fully qualified. That's right. So you want to put targeting. in the slash blog in this instance to fix that. That's right. And listeners, one thing I would suggest you do when you try these kind of things, make sure you test them because we've had the same thing. No, but here's the thing. Because it was targeted and also exclusion lists, ah, because if someone had already yes. filled it out, they are excluded, right? Correct. Which is a really nice thing from targeting. Yes. Of course, I've tested it before. Yes. So, I'm so excluded. See. So, I didn't see it. It was only when I happened to be visiting actually our Zen site incognito yep. that it suddenly popped up. I was like, what the, what's this? <laughs> oh. Oh, made that mistake again. And there you have it. All right, now, Craig, on to our marketing tip of the week, how to spot automated LinkedIn outreach emails. And this is a cracker. You shared this in a chat that we were having, and I just couldn't help myself but laugh. Yeah, how much LinkedIn spam do you get? And by that, I mean people that are sending you emails where they've obviously got your details from LinkedIn. That's a good question, actually. So you're saying that they scraped it off LinkedIn then used email marketing Well, there's a whole to- bunch of different tools that will yeah. do it, uh, I think. I won't mention some of them, but yeah, it's very easy Correct, to automate. Yeah. yeah. And so it just gets your name and that's right. Yeah. Your first name, last name. And then anyway, so this tip that I had, I can't remember where I, who I originally saw it on, but it was probably a year or so ago is to put a little emoticon or emoji in front of your first name. Yes. So in, if you've got the show notes, you'll see my screenshot. Or if you visit my LinkedIn profile before the name, there's a little ha- a waving hand, right? And the reason I did that is because then when I get all these automated outreach things and also automated messages Correct. within LinkedIn, yes, I see the little waving hand. I go, oh, they haven't even looked at it. It's just been automated. They've just Correct. sent it through. So, I've got some screenshots about how to check that and an example of one. Quite I thought a, that was quite, gold. A well, quite a well-crafted <laughs> um, email that I received, except there's a waving hand all the way through <laughs> it where they've tried to personalize it and haven't checked it. So, yeah. Anyway, that's great because the moment I see them, bang, archive, I just ignore them. Yeah. So, what made you look at this one, Craig, that was that, that made your list? Well, it came in and I saw a couple of those handways. I thought, oh, I'll share this with you. Another <laughs> example of how it just saves me time. This is an efficiency hack, by the way. When you're scanning through all those emails, and the great thing is when they do it in the um, subject line and it's stripe before your name. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, just to be clear, you might actually want to find an emoticon. Is it an emoji or an emoticon? I always forget which one this is. I think it's emoticon. You might want to choose one that's not popular because people do put them in subject lines. So, yes. it's quite often you see that, oh, is that from my LinkedIn profile? Or is that just them um, dressing up their subject line? But anyway, there's the tip. I just want to save on my inbox viewing. On to our inside of the week, Craig. And what B2B website visitors want versus what B2B website gives them. And this is a little study. This is from Orbit Media. We've mentioned them before on the show a number of times because Andy there puts out really good stuff and the team as well, actually. Really good stuff. Uh, I really like it. Anyway, this was a study. The caveat, it was only around 400 respondents. They surveyed 200 B2B marketers and then 200 B2B visitors. And they asked them a bunch of questions. So, small sample size and the usual caveats, you know, people that answer surveys are skewing one way uh, kind of thing. So, don't treat it as general consensus. Just treat it as interesting ideas to consider. Anyway, the, the premise is they'll ask the marketers what they think is important in a site and then they'll ask visitors. So, they asked a bunch of things. I've got a few takeaways and I'll just mention some of them. So, one of the things that visitors really value is quick access to information. So that's thoughtful navigation plus a search box. They just want to be able to search and get the stuff. 
And then they want to get information that actually answers their questions. Now, that could be research, insights, FAQs, whatever. But they want that less valuable to them, but of course, still part of it, is the design of the site, things like about pages, your brand story. People don't care about that. Well, according to this survey, they do care about team bios. Yeah. And of course, the site still has to have good design, but that's not the compelling feature. Whereas marketers often think, oh, we've got to have the best looking site. We've got to have our story there. Yeah. And all this kind of thing. No. People just want to navigate to get answers to their questions. It kind of, they want to solve kind of, their problem, right? They want to solve their problem. So it's yeah. kind of common sense in hindsight, but a few other things. So uh, visitors, they're not worried about your calls to action. You know how marketers are like, oh, I've got to make sure there's call to action there and one at the bottom and, you know, visitors don't care because they'll just search for what they want or the navigation. Interesting one, visitors like testimonials, especially when they're in content. Right. Versus case studies. Oh. Again, small numbers, so yeah. take it with a grain of salt. But I thought it was interesting. One of the differentiators was they don't go to a testimonials page. So if you've got them all collected over on a testimonials page, not. But if you've got testimonials within the content product page, that kind of thing, that they do find useful. So beef that up. And so then at the end, I've got a little table, which I actually took from their site, from the Orbit Media site. And so, yeah, I think that's it. So I was thinking about that. I was like, right, what, what's the actionable takeaway from this? Because I think there's useful stuff. It's one, look at your IA, your information architecture, yes. navigation, make it really clear. Make sure there's a search box there. And also when you search, you actually get a good experience. You know, those searches where it's like, oh, pulls back junk and it's all format and you can't find yeah. anything. Yeah. So that's got to be good. And then also just embedding more reviews and testimonials throughout the content. Just those proof statements that don't get in your way and don't require a lot of, you know, engaging with. Yeah. And I think you're quite right, Craig. If you think about ease of navigation and getting the answers, look at what Google does. And, you know, they've hit the nail on the head when it comes to that kind of stuff. So there's a lot that we can learn from what Google tests out. You know what? I just thought of a a, a classic one is the pricing page. Any good SaaS tool now has pricing right in the top menu. Whereas remember, it was only a year or two ago, people were hiding it or you had to go to the footer to find pricing. That's, what do people want at the site? Yeah. They want to know the pricing. That's right. And I'm still really frustrated when I go to some tools and they won't, and they won't or, tell you the or pricing. Or you go to the pricing page and it says, I'll oh, fill in this form and Correct. someone will contact you. It's like, yeah. oh yeah. They're obviously either too expensive or too frustrating to work with. So Correct. gone. You know, how often get it. <laughs> And you're quite right, Craig. And I think another thing to watch is the flow of everything. So when I was talking to somebody today, it was a friend of a friend. And so I said, okay, I'm happy to help them out. And I just went through the flow of their site just to see. And I was, I got confused because they, it was a direct, kind of like a directory listing for people that were looking for holistic health. I was confused with a bit of the language. I said, oh, if I, you know, I want to make a posting, then I don't know how much it costs because I get taken to another page. Like, I was just really confused. I'm like, I want to know the price. Like, make that really apparent what the price is. So, yeah, you're quite right in what's being displayed here is that just need to make it really simple for people to get to what they want. All right, our hub shots throwback of the week, Craig. Speaking of reviews, do you know it was a year ago that HubSpot added reviews and ratings to the App Store, HubSpot App Store? Wow. Just a year ago. It seems like forever. seems like forever. But I think the takeaway for me is, well, don't think it's too late because reviews and ratings have been on every other site for de- decades. Yes. And HubSpot, you know, in their priority scheme, all right, we put it in. And they, again, it's incremental improvement, bang, bang. That was a year ago. Everyone That's would right. probably, you know, takes it for granted now. All right. 
And here's our resource for social media use in 2021, Craig. You and I both found this article uh, separately, and we're going to talk about it in the show. And it's the latest from Pew Research. Correct. Talking about social media use. Now, again, the caveats. <laughs> so, it's a smallish survey. Yes. It's, I think it's around uh, 1,500 US adults. Yeah. And here's the funny thing. You know how they surveyed them? Phone, phone. survey. Who answers a phone survey? <laughs> I wonder if they were calling from a mobile number. <laughs> That's right. But a phone server, like who answered? Anyway, that just that alone will skew this to a certain type of person. So, in saying that, Craig, do you think that these were organised surveys that people wanted to, instead of getting a, a digital survey questionnaire, maybe they organised a time where they said, okay, we need half an hour of your time where we can ask you some questions? I'm not sure the format, but if you follow the link, if you go to um, page two, it actually yep. has their whole methodology of how they did it. I didn't ah, actually read that. Yeah, I didn't read that either. Order to work out how they We were just more sure the trends, weren't well, we? Well, that's right, the trends. Now, 1,500 US adults who answered a phone survey, so that there's a certain demographic there. But the findings, this is what I thought was interesting. So, Facebook, of course, has always been good, but you know what's killing it? YouTube. I was shocked. I was like, what are we doing? So, listeners, we are actually recording this episode <laughs> as we speak to post it on YouTube. It's not, I'm not saying it's a production quality here, recording it off our phones, and we're going to test it out because. I mean, we've known video for ages, we have. right? But there's lots of video and video, but then there's YouTube as a channel. And even over the last year, I've noticed I watch so much stuff on YouTube. And you're not wrong. We had a discussion about we, we've this. We've discussed this. Yeah. And well, to the extent that I buy a YouTube Pro because I don't like ads, right? Mm. I don't want to be interrupted by ads. So I've got YouTube Premium. Yes. Ad free. And it is such a strong source of information and learning for me. My takeaway from this is as you know, I'm setting up a new office. I'm actually going to set up a studio where we record our recordings. And do it professionally and put it to our YouTube channel. I've really, you know, I'm 10 years too late to this, of course, but... You're never too late, I'm heartened by (laughs) what's App Store. You're never too late. Get into it. And as long as the quality is good, it's kind of like saying, oh, should I I start a blog now because I'm too late? No, start a blog because it's providing useful content. YouTube, I'm going to do the same. That's right. You know what's interesting, Craig, is that we see a lot of things like Facebook have been on the roadmap since about 2012, right? Had some increase, had increase over time, but has relatively since 2015 seemed to be quite flat. What's interesting with YouTube, it's first featured in 2018 and then pretty much 19, 2021 has just taken this upward trend, which apart from, what is it? Is it Reddit? WhatsApp? I can't tell what that is. I think it's Reddit with a similar trajectory and maybe even Pinterest, to be honest, that have a very similar trajectory. Trajectory upwards. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, agreed. Also interesting given the launch of uh, more video on Instagram and other platforms, to still see YouTube just have that same growth is really, really impressive. Yeah. And and by the way, this is the percentage of US adults who use it, right? So Facebook sitting around flat at 69% of US adults use it, but 81%. Yes, adults using YouTube. It, it's compelling. Everyone's there. So you know how, and, and this goes into advertising as well, because you know how we always say to our clients, everyone's on Facebook, even if you don't think they are, or you know, you're in B2B. Oh, they're not on Facebook. Just test it because everyone's on Facebook. Well, yes. ex- except me, Ian. You know, I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> but just test it. And it's now like, oh no, YouTube, 
everyone's on YouTube. We've got to do a lot more YouTube advertising. I know you do a fair bit of YouTube advertising. We don't do a lot of it ourselves. So it's just something we've got to do. And listeners, I think also think about it from the perspective of availability of YouTube, right? So I think I've been testing different devices out. So I brought I bought the new Google TV device, for example. Which one's that, the Chromecast? Or yes. The, yeah. yeah. So I think they call it Google TV now. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah, they changed the name of it. So it was Chromecast, now Google TV. Has a really nice interface, works really well. But what, what's one of the buttons on the remote? YouTube, right? The accessibility of YouTube is so great. And I even watch my kids and other young adults use it. It's, it's like one of those apps that gets used all the time. It's like, it's like that's where they go for entertainment. It's not mm. like we go to Netflix. They go to YouTube for entertainment. I think that's right. Yeah. And I mean, we have talked about it. YouTube number of times on the show. So listeners, this is not like, oh, wow, we've only just discovered YouTube. But I think it's about how significant the, the, impa- shift. the impact is. Yeah. And that's not only backed up by these studies, but also our own behaviors and your kids' behaviors. So how many social platforms, well, I don't know if I'd call YouTube a social network, but how many of these channels cover such a diverse range of age groups and catered to them all. And the other thing that this uh, Pew study talked about was demographics. And in terms of affluence, like the highest income demographic plus 75K a year demographic, 90% of US adults in that demographic are on YouTube. Wow. Yeah. So they see it as a main source compared to um, Facebook at 70%. So yeah, it's compelling. So listeners, your takeaway from this is you need to go read the study and look at opportunities that you can utilize in your business. All right. So here this week we have our optimization of the week, Craig. Oh, a new shot you've added, Ian. That's right. And this is from a discussion, listeners, we've been having together. It's like, what are we doing as we've observed lots of people? What do we do and what do we take away from HubSpot that is constantly optimizing you know, their product? What do we do in our daily lives that are optimizing the way we work and the way we interact with people? And one of the tools that came to mind was Loom. And we've spoken about this before, but I was telling you before was that I think I use this pretty much every day. Agreed. We use it so much. Now, we were early to this. I was uh, one of the beta users of Loom yes. long before it launched, and I bought a pro license really early. As soon as, it, as, soon as they offered a pro plan, I bought yes. it because it was so good. And it's such a good tool. Yeah. And the reason we're mentioning this in the show, by the way, folks, is because I actually had a friend who actually asked me the other day, said, oh, have you heard of this tool, Loom? I'm like, oh, I thought everyone knew about it because we just use it day to day. Yes, Listeners, if you haven't used it, you've got to try it. It's just- It's life-changing. You know, I reckon HubSpot should try and buy Loom. I wonder if they did try to buy Loom and Loom knocked them back and that's why they went down the Vidyard path and their own built-in thing, but they should have bought Loom. You know what? When it comes to usability, even the new transcription beta that they're running, it is just so good, Craig. It's such a good tool. Yeah. All right. On to our quote of the week, Craig. It's from Richard Branson. If your dreams don't scare you, they are too small. Just one of those classic quotes. I think it was Richard Branson. He gets the attribution for this, but I'm sure many others have said it. I think that's good. It is. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think bigger. Yeah, bigger goals. I love how you challenge me to think bigger, Craig. So thank you. All right, we've got some bonus links of the week, Craig, and this is to do with the Google Search Console, adding regex, which is regular expressions, for those who don't know. And why is this important, Craig? Well, it allows you to do filtering on your Google Search Console uh, data. data. 
And so it's quite handy. It got a lot of interest when it, it was on Twitter because Twitter's really the only place I hang out. And yeah, lots of excitement. And it's been rumored for a while. But if you're kind of confused by regex, then Annie Cushing's got the article for you. We've linked to it. And in the show notes, I've got an image from it. It's great. She explains all the regex scenarios and examples. She's even got videos. It's so good. So, yeah. I love that uh, picture in the show notes. Yes, good, isn't it? (laughs) All right. And then we also got something about copy.ai and snazzy.ai. Wow. Have you seen some of these AI content tools lately? Yes, I have. They're getting so good. Yeah. Compare that to a year ago. And the content that they were belching out was just, you know, garbage. But now they're so good. So, yeah, really getting into those tools. And by the way, shout out to Justin. That's right. For putting me onto this, I don't know, months ago. And just using these tools for fleshing out bullet points, they'll expand them, they'll write product descriptions. Yes. You can actually use them to write entire blog posts if you want. They're not ideal for that. But yeah, they'll flesh out things and use AI to create. It's amazing. All right. And we've got something about learning SEO as well. Oh, yeah. Later's Solace's site on a whole bunch of tools, most of them free, I think, and education resources for learning SEO. So... If you want to get into SEO, there's a great set of tools there. And even if you don't want to get into SEO, I think it's really important to understand what it is and how it can benefit you without having to do it. Because I think like for us, Craig, we're both learning constantly and we are doing SEO training and really it's it's constantly evolving. And I think if you are running a business, if you're running the business, you're in charge of marketing, even in charge of sales... I would say it would pay to learn this because you will find opportunities that other people are totally missing in their market space. I think so. And my comment on that is we're pushing back into SEO. I think most listeners, if you've been listening for a while, you know, I actually started my whole marketing career as an SEO consultant, you know, more than a decade ago. And I've kind of moved away from it in the last five years, but I'm actually pushing back to it. And that's because we're lucky enough now that we're getting the bigger kind of longer term clients who are prepared to put in the time, six, nine, Correct. 12 months, and have a budget for content yes. and all the SEO pieces around it. And the value is there. And so we're still doing a lot of the paid stuff that we've kind of moved to over the last couple of years, but I'm actually pushing back. We're going to have a big focus on SEO. It's still really relevant. People say, oh, is SEO dead? Oh, if we lost the, missed the boat, you know, it's all just pay to play. Well, yes, but there's so many clicks that you can still get for free from Correct. Google. So it's worth optimizing for. All right. And finally, listeners, there is the SEM Rush SEO checklist for 2021. Yeah. Speaking of SEO, SEMrush put out so many good articles and this is an excellent one. It's quite long. It's a checklist, can get technical at times, and it's about using their tools. So if you don't have SEMrush, you might find half of it not that relevant. We use SEMrush, we use Ahrefs and a bunch of other tools, but SEMrush really put out great guides. And this checklist is excellent. So even if you're not using their tools or you're not really into SEO, Cast your eye across however many it is, 41 best practices or something like that, and just be aware of them. They're really good because then when you're working with your agency, if you've got an SEO agency or marketing agency doing SEO, you can at least be across the main components that are part of SEO these days. Yes. And you know what? It is a great tool. And I would actually print this and stick it on your desk or have it available because not only has it got the checklist, got things to do with SEO basics, keyword research, the technical part, the on-page, but it also talks about the certain tools that you can use like Search Console, Analytics, Yoast, you know, if you're using WordPress, talks about different keyword research tools, about technical SEO tools. So they've actually given you not just using their tool, but they're giving you an option to go, hey, I might have some of these things 
am I actually looking in the right places to get the right data? But well worth the read. So it's and it's really well done. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show and please watch the videos, subscribe to the show notes and connect with myself on LinkedIn or simply reply to the email you get from Craig every week on a Friday with the show notes in it. And we would love to talk to you. And Craig, I forgot one last thing. Coming up is a Hub Shots Challenge. Marketing Challenge. 28-day marketing challenge. That's That's right. right. Details of that will be available next show. We'll catch you later, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.